With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Opposition Research Podcast here on HawkeyeNation.com. My name is Andrew Downs. Each week I'll find a beat reporter, blogger, or broadcaster that covers Iowa's upcoming opponent. If you have a suggestion for who I should talk to in a given week, or if you have questions you'd like me to ask, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew C. Downs. This week's game, Iowa hosts Michigan State. My guest today covers Michigan State for the Detroit Free Press. It's Chris Solari. Chris, thank you so much for the time. Andrew, glad to join you here today, man. It's uh been a weird 2020, and you know, it just seems like everything just keeps getting weirder by the day. Well, and one of the weird things, at least from us watching here in Iowa last weekend, was Mel Tucker getting that first big win uh, over Michigan after that rough opener against Rutgers. I mean, I got to be honest, uh, when Iowa lost to Purdue, everybody kind of looked ahead to that that Michigan State game and said, "Well, at least that's probably a win." And uh, everybody kind of backed off of that a little bit last week when the Spartans beat the, the Wolverines. How, how much did last Saturday change the feeling around your program? Well, that's interesting because everybody was looking at the schedule here this year and didn't know what to expect other than, oh, yeah, they're going to beat Rutgers. Well, that didn't turn out either. Um, you know, it, it, I think this, in part because it was Rutgers, the, the backlash was major and significant for that first loss, um, particularly when they're, they're giving up 14 points in like the first eight minutes of the game and they start turning the ball over, I think, three or four times in that first quarter of Rutgers. So, I mean, it couldn't have started any worse. So I think the positive for that from Mel Tucker is it was only up from there, right? Um, so I thought they finished that game pretty well. And I came out of it with kind of mixed feelings. Like, well, they put up 27 points. They moved the ball, but it's still just Rutgers. Well, I'll tell you what. That first drive against Michigan changed a lot of things. And I think it changed that, that program's belief in itself. Although some might say that they believed in themselves walking in there as a three-touchdown underdog to just smack them in the mouth. But I think it changed the fans' opinions for sure because um, all of a sudden, they were the Michigan State fans were expecting that, that 21.5 point spread um, to be too low. And all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, this is a competitive game. This, is, this looks like the games of, of yesterday that we, we watched during the Mark Antonio era. You know, even before that, you know, with, with Nick Saban and George Perlis, and, you know, at least those games were, for the most part, competitive. And they stuck it to them all day. I couldn't, I could not tell you how much of a 180 it was. I mean, I, that, it's hard to fully explain that, but it was enough so that, that all of a sudden the people that in East Lansing after one game who were stupidly calling for Jim, or calling for Mel Tucker's, and all of a sudden, they're now down in Ann Arbor after year, in year six, calling for Jim Harbaugh's head. So, this, it's perfectly 2020, though. It's amazing it really how is. much can change in a week, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I saw you so, run some numbers about how the Spartans play after that big game against Michigan. Uh, is there any fear of a letdown after that emotional win last week? Oh, there should always be. And I think that, you know, uh, there, there's always the fear of a letdown, um, especially when you don't know 
what the coaching staff's got to approach it. You know, I mean, with Antonio, you've got a better idea. He cast aside a lot of the things that had been uh, historic tropes about Michigan State, like same old Spartans um, with you know massive fall offs, like get off get off to a good start and then crumble, uh, or have massive problems on the field. Um, he got rid of that. Um, he got rid of a lot of the penalties, but one of the other things he did was he got rid of the stigma that, you know, Michigan was the Super Bowl game. I heard Rich Eisen say that, and, and I don't know where Rich Eisen's been the last, you know, decade and a half because, you know, Michigan State has beaten Ohio State more times than that than Michigan has. And, you know, they, and they played in the BCS and they played in the college football players. So, I mean, they're, they're, the Michigan game kind of changed under D'Antonio in that it was significantly important, but it wasn't the be-all, end-all. And, you know, they went 7-1 and one in those games after after a win over Michigan. Um, and he had, he had made a point of making that his emphasis. Now, how Bell Tucker approaches it, I don't know. I mean, he comes from that same tree of, of Nick Saban disciples. So I don't see it being much different. But I do think the one caveat with that is that this is Rocky Lombardi's homecoming. So, you know, when you have a quarterback that, that's going to play in front of friends, well, mostly just in front of family this year, <laughs> um, you know, it you know, you don't know exactly sometimes walking in just how it'll be when you walk out there. Maybe the fan not having the fans will help. I think that may have helped Michigan last, Michigan State last week in Ann Arbor not having 100,000 fans there. Without question, when you have a freshman receiver making big plays down the field, there's no nerves when you don't have the, those bodies on top of you booing. And I think that it'll be – I think they'll kind of – do exactly what D'Antonio did over the years. But I don't know if it'll be enough. That, that'll be what's really interesting. Well, you mentioned Rocky Lombardi, and, and obviously he's new to, new to the scene in the Big Ten, but not new to us here in Iowa. We saw him play here in Des Moines in, in high school, and he leads the Spartans back into Kinnick Stadium this week. What have you seen out of him the first couple of weeks of the season? Yeah, it feels like he's been here forever, too. Um, you know, this is his fourth year, um, and he's, you know, he's a kid that's played off and on, you know, because of injuries to Brian Lewerke over the last three years. The problem is that people in Iowa haven't got a chance to see him because the, the schedule's been weird. Uh, it's been since 2017, I think, since Michigan State played yeah, that's right. uh, Iowa. So he hasn't had a chance to, to get back to King. By the way, 2013, it seems like 100 years ago since that game. Um, the last game that Michigan State played at Kinnick. But, um, you know, Rocky Lombardi, I think, one of the things when, when we saw him as a redshirt freshman start against Purdue and against Rutgers and at Nebraska is, is that he wasn't much of a passer at that point. I, I know he threw for for 6,000 yards at Valley High, but, but the mechanics were off. I mean, he, he was oftentimes more in a shot put or, or javelin-type throw. What I've seen the last two weeks is a kid who's extended his arm, is able to, to still keep the same velocity that he had with the ball, but also find tight windows. Um, you know, you saw that against the Rutgers. Uh, even in the loss, I thought that, you know, minus those seven turnovers they had, he played pretty well and threw some, some balls into tight windows and had a, a really high completion percentage. Then you go to Michigan, now you see the arm strength unleashed downfield with the, the weapons that he has with Jalen Naylor and Ricky White now and, and Jaden Reed, um, you know, they were able to stretch the field. So I've seen a different Lombardi in terms of what he's been able to do physically, but 
the one thing the kid has been able to do here, uh, and you can ask anybody, is lead. That's the one thing that it's not often you hear a backup quarterback be one of the team leaders, but he he has been here since you know he was a redshirt freshman. Looking at the other side of the ball, who are some of the big playmakers or maybe maybe a position group that Iowa fans should be focused on Saturday? Yeah, I think the defensive line right now is playing at a very high level. I think that you know it starts with uh, Naquan Jones and Jacob Slade, the starters in the middle, but they they go four four or five deep there. I mean, the backups, Deshaun Mallory and Jalen Hunt, I thought were exceptional in that Michigan game, and that that allows that whole group to stay fresh. And you know, Jacob Panashuk coming off the edge is one of the top returning pass rushers in the Big Ten. Didn't look like it against Rutgers. He was MIA in that game, but, you know, first three plays against Michigan, he's chasing down Joe Milton laterally, and that's, you know, that that can be a, a challenge in and of itself, but he, him and Naquan Jones were getting there, and that set the tone for the game, I, I thought, and you know, and I think some of the other guys, Xavier Henderson in the back end. Here's the thing with Michigan State. This is what we didn't know. So the weirdness of 2020, you know, Mel Tucker gets hired in February after Mark Antonio suddenly retires. He's four days out from spring practice, and all of a sudden the plug's pulled on, on the spring and the summer. He, he didn't get his first padded practice until September 30th, right before the, the season started. And, oh, by the way, they were installing a four-two-five defense as opposed to the base four-three that Antonio's run for you know decade and a half. So you know what we've seen is pretty impressive. I think in that uh, understanding that transition without much practice in pads and hitting, um, and I think the back end is going to be pretty good. And they did it because they've got some good guys in the back end, like Xavier Henderson and Shakur Brown. Uh, they're deep there. They're not so deep at linebacker, but. But the guys they have at linebacker are stars. I mean, Antoine Simmons might be, if not the best, uh, not named Micah Parsons in the Big Ten. Who, I mean, he, he's up there. Um, he flies side to side. Same with Noah Harvey. I've seen him pick up a little more speed in this four-two-five, um, and looking a little more uh, of a downhill force in the run game. So they've got some bodies there that for sure. But it's it's going to be interesting to see how. How much that four-two-five progresses over the year, and how many times you see some speed bumps along the way. But so far, I think they've played pretty well. Hawkeyes obviously off to a, a rough zero and two start. A couple of close games. I think games that a lot of fans think they they could have certainly certainly could have probably should have won. Uh, but you are what your record says you are, and and uh, Iowa just isn't a great football team right now. When you look at the Hawkeyes, where's a, a place or two that you think they could be dangerous for Michigan State this weekend? Well, I think you start first and foremost with that 0-2 record. I mean, that's a dangerous spot for a visiting team to come in with, with a team that's in, in some ways desperate for their season and and kind of caged, caged lions in a lot of ways to kind of uh, borrow a phrase from Mark D'Antonio. I mean, I, I fully expect Iowa to come out firing in this game. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how up front uh, this game is won, particularly – Iowa's defensive line, I think, can get some pressure on Michigan State's offensive line. So we, this is what we don't know about Michigan State's offensive line of what's a mirage and what's real. You know, they struggled against Rutgers to, to run the ball and protect Rocky Lombardi. They didn't give up a sack against Michigan, you know, and, and Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchison. And they were able to run for 126 yards after running for 50 yards the week before. So, you know, I think Iowa's defensive line can have – they can get some penetration. I just expect this to be 
kind of that quintessential Iowa Michigan State game that we got used to in the in the early 2010s and late 2000s. Um, it, it was turning into such a great rivalry. I mean, you know, it culminates in that that 2015 Big Ten championship game, and then it goes away. And you know, you, you kind of forget about it. The same with with Michigan State, Wisconsin. It's kind of a lot of these things have been put on ice, and it's been been a weird time, at least here uh, in this division structure. But I, I mean. You know, I'm looking forward. I haven't been to Kinnick Stadium since 2001, and that was a huge game for Kirk Ferentz to win in that one. Um, you know, that ended that big losing streak. So, you know, Michigan State knows what it's like to to, to be uh, an elixir for a, for an Iowa losing streak. <laughs> you, know, you you mentioned that these two programs have had some really good battles in the past. It felt like a rivalry was really budding, but the the scheduling has just kind of made it so that that is, as you said, been put on ice. Of course, no Hawkeye fan will soon forget that 2015 Big Ten championship game. Uh, but you know, both teams have their own rivals in their own divisions with their bordering states. Uh, overall, how do Michigan State fans view the Iowa football program? Boy, that's an interesting one because I mean I think that there was starting to be that I don't know if enough contempt was the right word. I know the 2011 game there was that was the uh, I think the Chris Rucker game and there was a lot of back and yes. forth going on between the fan bases and you know I think Iowa came out and and blew Michigan State's doors off at Kinnick and that one, um, but you know I, I think at this point though it's it's calmed down. I mean it's. You know, you have the ebbs and flows of rivalry. I think everybody's kind of against Nebraska right now. I think that's pretty much standard fare outside of maybe Ohio State. I think everybody else in the Big Ten's kind of got their their axe to grind with with the people in Lincoln. Um, I, I think you'll always have the the people who don't like Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Uh, but I think this is kind of a respectful rivalry. I mean, Mel Tucker talked today, uh, talked today, talked Tuesday about. Um, you know how he's known Kirk Ferentz for a while, and how much respect he has for the type of program he runs in terms of schemes and, and being a consistent program with staff and, and with winning. So uh, you know that's the other component here. I mean, you don't have that when you have a new coach at Michigan State who spent a decade in the pros and you know came back to the college game in about 2015. Uh, you just don't have that 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 innate um, hatred yet. You know, I think it, you know it, it'll take time for that to get back to it. But you know, for the moment, I think they they, they respect what what Kirk has done there, and uh, you know, want to head to. I mean, for the first time in seven years, to, to head the Kinnick without fans, I think is kind of a blessing for Michigan State because that can that's one of the hostile places in the Big Ten to play. He is at Chris Solari on Twitter. You can follow his coverage of Michigan State at Freep.com. Chris, enjoy your time in Iowa City and in Kinnick. I'm sorry it's going to be weird without the atmosphere you're used to or, you know, the the restaurants and things like that. It's, it's going to be a strange day, but uh, we're getting kind of used to that here in 2020. Uh, I do appreciate your time today. I appreciate it, Andrew. You be well. A big spot here for the Hawkeyes. Feels like a lot is riding on this game. Obviously, a lot is riding on this season, even though it's kind of a weird throwaway season. Uh, what more could you ask for for 2020, right? You can follow all of our coverage, HawkeyeNation.com. We've got a bunch of great stuff up constantly being posted from all of our great writers HawkeyeNation.com. You can join Joe Schmelka and myself Thursday evenings from 7 to 8 on KXNO for the Hawkeye Nation radio show. We talk to John Miller, Joe Hugan, get predictions. Uh, We will do that each and every week from the KXNO studios. Thank you for listening and go Hawks!